On Thursday, May 13, 2021, the CDC released updated mask guidance for the United States. And it worked something like this. Matter of fact, I quote, Fully vaccinated people no longer need to wear a mask or physically distance in any setting, except where required by federal, state, local, tribal, or territorial laws, rules, and regulations, including local businesses and workplace guidance. Upon announcing this, there was a whole lot of mixed feelings in the United States. Some people jubilated, they celebrated, while some other people felt this was just too sudden, too soon. They just didn't see it coming. Well, there's a whole lot about COVID-19 that does not seem to be very clear. And what I want to do with today's episode is to help us put COVID-19 and its vaccines in perspective. We'll compare COVID-19 with all the pandemic outbreaks that we've had as a race, as far as the human history is concerned. We'll talk a little bit about the data that reveals the things we know about COVID-19 because there is a whole lot that we do not know. And believe it or not, what we get to hear from the mainstream media, the news, or even the social media is not all that there is to know. Many times we just receive clickbaits. Many times the news media just tells us the things that they know would attract us um, unintentionally because while they are there to disseminate information, they're also businesses. They're also there to make money. And we, the eyeballs, we are the currency that they thrive on. So they have to make sure they attract us with whatever it is they have to say, um, intentionally or, or unintentionally. So Believe it or not, you've not been hearing all the data. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. And we'll talk about the best practices that we can employ to fortify ourselves. Because the question remains, are these vaccines like bulletproof? Would that be all that I need to just, you know, um, stay very healthy and um, just, you know, never be never need or have concern about COVID-19 or any kind of viral infection? Is it like that magic pill that I just need to, you know, stay healthy forever? And if at all it is, which of the vaccines are the better one for me to take? You know, is it, I'm not going to mention the names of the companies because they're not paying me, but which of them should I take? Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the best practices for you. And now, because of how technical and sensitive this subject is at this time, speaking about COVID-19 and vaccines, you know, many times it's even politicized in our society and in many countries for that matter. Um, What I've done today is to make sure that my sources and not just opinion blogs or regular news outlets out there, like I'm not just going to give you something from CNN or from um, MSNBC or Fox News because um, many times some, or in some cases these are actually opinion outlets <laughs> so I'm going to make sure that my sources are not just opinion outlets but they're well researched, credible and verifiable sources and I'm just going to lay the facts out there and hopefully I can help you and guide you to make the best decision for you and your family I have carefully curated the content for today's show just so that it adds huge value to you. I hope you enjoy it. 
Hello, beautiful people. How are you feeling today? I know it's been a hot minute since I last released an episode of my podcast. Um, trust me, I haven't let go of this passion of mine. Uh, you know, life happens now and then, but the good thing that I love is how I'm able to bounce back, how I'm able to get back in the game and, you know, get things going. And um, hopefully I'm just going to be a lot more consistent with the content that I deliver out to you. Consistent in the value, consistent in the quality, consistent in um, my thoughtfulness about you, my listeners. And I really hope that um, this will be another groundbreaking and life-changing episode. All right, back to today's subject. In the grand scheme of pandemics, COVID-19 is relatively new. That's the first thing I really want us to take home because many of us approach this pandemic like we're supposed to have conquered it, you know? We're supposed to know a lot more about this by now or these guys are trying to deceive us or these guys are misleading us, yada, yada, yada. COVID-19 is relatively new. It is still novel. It is still very young. It's been only two years. I was 2019, COVID-19, and this is 2021. So naturally, there's going to be lots of incomplete information or less emphasized information. And in some cases, outright misinformation out there. So we really need to be patient with our sources and thorough with how we see through information and what we absorb and what we take in and what we follow through. We just have to be, um, we have to do our due diligence because again, it's pretty new. We're still doing a whole lot of discovery. I like to believe that the researchers, the scientists, the epidemiologists, and even the government all mean well, but there's still a lot to learn. I know it's not your fault when there's a whole lot of misinformation or incomplete information. But take, for instance, we've gone from recommending surgical masks to double masking to just using facial coverings, sometimes even recommending using eye coverings like goggles. We've gone from hey, everyone keeps six feet apart, six feet of social distancing. And then we've gone from that to saying that you were exposed to COVID-19 when you were within six feet over 15 minutes. And then in some cases, it's only three feet. And then there's also a lot of school of thoughts that says that masks are ineffective. As a matter of fact, that's talk for another day. I'm not going to bring that in here today. And then I think there was just a report recently from MIT that says that it doesn't matter if you're six feet or 60 feet apart. It doesn't even make a difference. There's a whole lot of school of thoughts out there. Sometimes it's so confusing and you're like, what do I really believe? Some swear by chloroquine. They still do. Ask them in Brazil or you can ask them in Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> My mother, for instance, swears by her COVID concoction. And I think it's a combination of garlic, ginger and some other stuffs like that that she drinks. And she just believes that that is what keeps her well. You know, different people with different things. Um, there are those who are the vitamin D proponents that believe that that is the miracle pill. And the least of do's and don'ts just goes on and on and on. And sometimes they're very conflicting. And to be honest, 
it's expected because again, like I said, COVID-19 is relatively novel. It is still new and there is still a whole lot of force to learn. Let's put this in perspective by examining how COVID-19 stacks against other pandemics that have broken out over the course of the human history. Let's start with measles. According to the CDC, measles was first discovered sometime in the 9th century and we didn't even know how it was transmitted at all until sometime in 1757. That is hundreds of years after its first discovery. And that was when Francis Holm, a Scottish physician, demonstrated how infected agents in a bloodstream caused the transmission of measles. And we didn't even get a vaccine for measles until about 200 years later. That was sometimes around 1954. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Now, just think about that. 200 years later, before we were able to develop the first vaccine to fight measles. Let's talk about another pandemic that broke out, which is cholera. Cholera is this um, bacteria that's actually found in water. And according to the World Health Organization, the first cholera pandemic broke out sometime in 1817 from a reservoir in India. That was how it really began, began to spread. Um, it took about five pandemics, five breakouts of the cholera pandemic before the first vaccine was developed. And that was sometime in 1885. That is ridiculous. That is about 68 years after the first pandemic breakout of cholera. Six to eight freaking years. My dad didn't even live that long before he passed on. <laughs> Bless his soul. Now, let's talk about the bubonic plague. The second variation of this plague, which is also dubbed the Black Death, is believed to be one of the deadliest pandemic of all time in all of human history. It first struck Europe in 1347 and it killed people in their millions. Like people were dying in less than a day after they contracted or after they showed symptoms of the Black Death, the bubonic plague. There were no clues about what was affecting people at a time and people at the time began to believe that this was a curse from God um, because it didn't just affect human beings. It was affecting the goats, the sheep, chicken, pigs, and people altogether. Matter of fact, the term social distancing and quarantine were used in those medieval times because they learned that the disease was spread by proximity. That was when they started practicing social distancing because that was the only way they could curb the spread of the Black Death at the time. So when you hear social distancing now, that's where it came from. Um, quarantine, that's where it came from. It was very, very lethal. And guess what? There was no vaccine until late in the 19th century. Now, I'm sure you must have heard a lot of people say that developing a vaccine for a virus like COVID-19 within a year is remarkable, that it's, you know, great, is a lot of speed. And that's why they have said that the vaccines are actually not FDA approved, you know, but they've been authorized 
for emergency use. They try to distinguish between all of that because it takes a minute for them to approve a vaccine. Um, it takes a while. Right now, the doctors and the governments are all saying that the vaccines are very safe. And I believe that I believe so. And I also like to err on a side of positivity. So I also believe so. I don't think that, you know, there will be any lethal or major side effects and, you know, everyone who's taking it. Uh, I believe that they've been well researched. I believe there's been a whole lot of advancements in the developing process. But the honest truth is that it's been only two years since this virus broke out. So if we want to think about the long-term effects of the vaccine, if there's going to be any, we don't even know. We haven't lived enough with this virus to know if there's going to be any long-term effects. All we know is what we have tried out now. There is no trial for the COVID-19 vaccine that has been up to three years. No, because the virus itself has not even been for more than two years. Think about it. Uh, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't get a vaccine. I believe that it's um, safe enough and whatever the case might be, might be better than contracting the virus itself. Um, so yeah, I'm not here to tell you not to take the vaccines at all. I just want us to think logically together. Because I noticed that as a generation, many times we all source for our news information from places like Twitter or you know, Google, wherever the case might be, where in just about 280 characters, someone throws out a news, a breaking news to us. But for matters with health and wellness, for matters that concern our public health, there is no way 280 characters can give you all the information that you need. You know, uh, and many times when you listen to commentaries on mainstream media, it's always not sufficient enough. So let's talk about the data as far as COVID-19 is concerned. Let's talk about what we know. These are not going to be speculations. This is what is available out there. What do we know so far about COVID-19? According to the COVID-19 data collected by the CDC and John Hopkins University, at least 96% of people who were killed by COVID-19 had at least 2.6 other causes of death. In other words, they had at least 2.6 or almost three other underlying health conditions. What this means is that COVID-19 had at least 2.6 or three other comorbidities present in almost every patient that died from that virus. That means there were other things underlying. Sometimes it was respiratory um, issues. Sometimes it was pneumonia. Sometimes it was influenza. And other times it was obesity and heart disease. There were many other underlying health conditions in those patients. Now, I say this with all due respect and affection to everyone who has passed because the argument is that if they didn't contract the virus, would they have died? Most likely no, because they might have lived longer even though they had the underlying conditions. So COVID-19 was kind of like an accelerant 
to these other comorbidities that he had on the inside of them until they eventually got to pass away as a result of SARS-CoV-2, which is the actual name of the virus that causes COVID-19. So SARS-CoV-2 is able to take advantage and accelerate their death because of the presence of the other underlying diseases. So that's not to say that the underlying diseases kill them, but it is very good to know that only 6% of people who died from COVID-19 had COVID-19 as the only cause of the death. This is a very fascinating piece of data for me to come across, and I'm going to leave links to all of these information on my show notes. And the reason I bring it up is that all through the news, we don't hear about the other comorbidities that existed in the lives of those people who were killed by SARS-CoV-2. We only hear that SARS-CoV-2 killed them. And then we hear about the vaccinations and the vaccines against SARS-CoV-2, but we don't hear about the vaccines against those other underlying conditions. We don't hear about treating the other underlying conditions that made people more susceptible to dying from SARS-CoV-2, which means that if you give me a vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 only, but you leave the other underlying conditions, you don't talk about it. You don't talk about my obesity. You don't talk about my heart health. You don't talk about how I can stay healthy. You leave me with the other conditions. Then someday, even if it's not SARS-CoV-2, something else is going to come that would, again, accelerate my dying. So why are we cherry picking on the health of Americans? And as a matter of fact, people all over the world, because the truth is that it's not so fancy to talk about things like obesity and heart health and whatever the other underlying conditions are. Those things are actually how a lot of other companies and businesses profit. They profit out of our poor health. America is one of the sickest countries in the world. If anything at all, SARS-CoV-2 came to reveal how sick we are as a nation. It came to reveal the dilapidating state of our health structure, the health system, and the health state of many Americans. It came to show how sedentary we are. It came to show how Matter of fact, unhealthy we are in our lifestyles. This should be a wake-up call for a lot of us to begin to think about how we can live healthier lives. My only challenge with the messaging behind the vaccine is that they make it look like that magic pill, you know, um, being a wellness coach, many times people are just looking for a magic pill that they will take and all the fats are just burn away. <laughs> people want to be able to kind of like, you know, um, live a very unhealthy lifestyle, eat any kind of junk they want to eat, and still stay skinny and healthy. Like, eat my cake and have it kind of deal. Um, so long as, just give me the magic pill. Just tell me that workout to do or what not to do um, that will make me burn fat whenever I need to and make me become healthy whenever I need to. So I could just go ahead and do all the things that I want to do and live my life, you know, in a very, very unhealthy way and um, still kind of like take the pill and stay healthy. That's kind of like how the messaging behind the vaccine is. You know, just get a vaccine and you'll be all right. Um, just get a vaccine and we'll be back to normal, back to how we used to be, as if how we used to be was good enough. 
Because if anything, again, the data shows that many of us in this country have been really, really sick based on our lifestyle. And SARS-CoV just capitalized on that health or rather unhealthy condition of the American population. So if anything at all, get the vaccine if you want to, and that's okay. But that should just be a starting point for you. That should be a wake-up call for you to say to yourself, you know what? I want to be healthier beyond the vaccine. Because a vaccine is just for SARS-CoV-2, but SARS-CoV-2 was not the biggest problem. It was our health, our unhealthy state before the pandemic even came. There was a pandemic before the pandemic, an unspoken pandemic, an unpublicized pandemic, which was our unhealthy lifestyle. We are so obese in this country, and I do not say this to be disrespectful to anyone who's overweight or obese. I say this um, believing that we can become healthier. I say this because I believe that you can do what it takes to live your best life today, both for you and for your loved ones. So to be very honest with you, the best vaccine that you can take is not the one produced by pharmaceutical company P or pharmaceutical company M or whatever the names of those pharmaceutical companies are. Those are just good uh, in the moment for that virus SARS-CoV-2. But that's not the best vaccine for you. The best vaccine for you is for you to begin to live a healthier lifestyle, for you to help yourself to stay as healthy as you can be to boost your overall wellness. If you're overweight, you need to start thinking about how to shed more weight and keep them off. If you've been sedentary, either as a result of the pandemic or the lockdown, or that's actually been your lifestyle, it's about time for you to get moving again. That is a great vaccine for you. If you're stressed out, it's about time for you to start thinking about resting more. That's going to be your best vaccine. If you're not hopeful about life, if you are always, you know, anxious or feeling depressed, it's about time for you to get loving and leaving again. That's about the best vaccine for you. It is not necessarily the shot in your arm. That would not help you in the long run. And I am just being a critical thinker here. I don't want us to continue to be a generation that just outsources our critical thinking to social media and the mainstream media. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Think about it. There is more to this. So I'm not saying don't take the vaccines. That's not what I'm saying. I'm only saying that it is not enough. It is not the best vaccine for you. COVID-19 was not our biggest problem. It wasn't. And it shows in the data it has been our lifestyle as a country, the things we consume, the way we live, the things we do not consume and the things we do not do, the way we do not move. Those have been the pandemic that have been existing. And it's about time to use the momentum that we have right now, trying to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's ride on that momentum and take control of our own lifestyle completely change it do a makeover get vaccines in your arm cool take out the mask if you have to cool personally i have never depended on the masks and even now the vaccine to help me stay healthy that's not what i depend on i depend on the things that i put in my body i depend on my food my lifestyle 
I depend on my healthy habits, very honestly. And when it came to time for masks, one of the reasons why I was never a huge proponent for it at the time was because the messaging, many times they made it look like put on a mask and you're okay. And then it's okay for you to do all the other things that you used to do before the pandemic that made you unhealthy in the first place. Why didn't we ever talk about those? If we spend half the money and energy that we put into marketing, COVID-19, the pan- talking about a pandemic, talking about the vaccines, it was paying half the money and energy talking about our health, our lifestyle as a country, America will be way better. Americans and many other people all over the world, humanity as a whole, will be way better, will be healthier. But we don't talk about these things. I'm not ready to go into why we don't talk about it because there's a whole lot of school of thought and science and psychology around it, which I don't want to talk about today. But I want to talk to you. Do your best. It's one of the reasons why I created a real fitness because real is an acronym for rest, exercise, authentic food, and love. So I needed to rest as much as possible, find ways to rest. And when I say rest, I don't mean sit on your couch and binge watch TV. I mean, do not panic. I mean, avoid anxiety. Find ways to stay calm. Find ways to not stress out. Find ways to rest and recuperate and recharge. Exercise frequently. You have to do your best to move as often as possible. Use the steps when you can. Park far away from the entrance of the shopping mall or wherever it is you're going to just so you can get the more steps. Be very, very active. Do your best to move at least, you know, whatever your goal is, 10,000 steps a day or, you know, whatever amount of calories you want to burn a day by way of exercising and working out, do it as frequently as possible, at least four times a week, three to four times a week. That's good enough. But exercise very frequently. Walking, I think walking should be every day. You should do your best to get in steps every day. But when it comes to active exercising, that you can do, say, three to four times a week. Your food, authentic food, you've got to eat as authentic as possible. Try to avoid as much processed food as you can. Try to make sure that you're eating from farm to table. In other words, whatever is on your table, the journey that that food traveled to get to your table from the farm would be as minimal as possible. In other words, it's not being heavily processed. So try to eat as organic as possible, as natural as possible. I think for me, that's the rule of thumb. I'm not going to go into carbs or protein or keto or fat only or paleo. I'm not going to go into all these different kinds of diets. That's not what I'm talking about when I say eat authentic food. I just mean eat whole foods, eat naturally, eat real food. If you do that, you'll be all right. Trust me, you'll be all right. <laughs> um, I might have some other episodes for all the other different kinds of diets, but that's not what it's about. And then I needed to love relentlessly. That is what L is for. Try your best to make sure that you're not harboring hatred in your mind and in your heart. Forgive as much as possible. And in some 
places where it's not easy to forgive, you know, talk to someone, seek counseling, go for therapy, um, try to free your heart of different kinds of hatred or things that might depress you. If social media is very depressing for you, walk away from it. You are not missing anything, I promise you. You will not. Live in the here and now. Be present. Be present around you. Um, Observe the air. Observe this bird singing and chirping away. Notice the sun. Notice the people around you. Um, Show them love and care. Uh, Because many times the things that we pursue are so elusive and almost unreachable, but we keep chasing after them and they keep getting us all the more depressed and all the more anxious. So look for ways to um, love relentlessly, um, meditate if you have to, to help you, and um, look for the good and the beauty in people all around you because there is a whole lot of good and beauty in a lot of us. There is a lot that makes us alike than separates us. So love relentlessly and um, see your life skyrocket. Watch yourself become a better human being, not just for the people around you, but also for you because you become a lot more healthier. Your relationships are a key component to your own well-being. And that is why I do not take that for granted at all. So your relationship, both at work, at home, um, on the streets, in your community, goes a long way to help you become a wholly healthy and well individual. So take that also into consideration. Everything at the end of the day, you know, it's all interwoven, works together. If you follow this model, the real fitness model, which is rest, exercise, authentic food and love, I believe that that and many other practices would lead you on the path to becoming a healthier you. Now, I know there is more to this. I'm not saying that these are the only four things you got to do. I know there's a lot more to living healthy, but it's a good place to start. It's a good place to start. So thanks everyone for listening. I hope that in some way, shape or form, this episode has been helpful to you. I hope I've been able to inspire you to get your butt off the chair and get moving (laughs) and uh, inspire you or challenge you to getting critical again in the way that you think, the way you absorb information and taking charge of your own wellness and your fitness. I hope I've been as objective as possible while still trying to tell you the truth that I believe you need to hear. Leave me a rating and leave me a comment right here on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you're listening to me from. It goes a long way to help the visibility of my show. And I'll do my best to keep curating more content that will really help you be the best person that you can ever be, um, both for you and those that you love. Thank you, guys. Keep it real. My name is Henry again, fitness and wellness coach. Ciao for now. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends.